from State Street and the First Midwest Bank Studio, this is WMVP Chicago, ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is ESPN 1000, the hockey show. Stream ESPN 1000 easily easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. On ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. That's I a toe tapper right there, Pat Boyle. Yeah, well, I didn't really recognize that music. <laughs> Eric Ostrowski running the controls on the other side of the glass. We're in the first Midwest Bank studios. You can follow us on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. You can follow Brian at Brian Hanley 534. You can follow me at Boyle NBCS. Give us a call at 312-332-3776. So, Brian, the trade deadline has come and gone. I think we both discussed when we were filling in for Cap this week that we expected the Blackhawks to get more at the deadline. I thought possibly a first-rounder for Avin Leonard. I thought possibly a second-round selection for Eric Gustafson. Instead, they get a, a second for Leonard and a third for Gustafson. Is that pretty much where you stand on this? Yeah, and now the, the question comes basically down to now what? What happens? What's the plan? How quickly are you going to execute the plan? And, uh, boy, it's been an interesting week because you had uh, my bad from Jeremy Colleton on the power play. It's been unbelievable the last four games, right? Right. And, hey, what was different? What, the difference was that we should have gone to uh, this setup a lot earlier, said the head coach. Dominic Kubalik, who now leads the Blackhawks in goal scoring, which is a stunner for 29, the, the rookie. 29, one in front of uh, Patrick Kane, right? Yep. So, uh, you know, he has been... A difference maker, putting him on the top power play unit. So the other night he was asked about, you know, should you have done that earlier? And he said, yeah, it was my bad. Yeah. So I, I thought that was, uh, I thought it was very interesting that he came forth and, and said that. Jeremy yeah, do, you get, do you get credit for honesty or do you? I, I give it, him credit for that. Or de- even if you give him credit for honesty, is the next thought, well, what the hell was going on? Couldn't somebody have figured this out sooner than... When you bottomed out in the league as the worst man advantage unit in in all of the NHL, and now it's six of nineteen the last four games after going oh seventeen the prior six, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I guess for a young coach to to admit a mistake and just say candidly, we should have done it sooner. We did it kind of and uh, and once in a while we did it. We gave it a look, but you wonder because it involved moving Patrick Kane from the right side to the left side. And you wonder if the young coach was deferring to the superstar. Maybe Patrick Kane was more comfortable to that side, and you just were hoping against hope that it would figure itself out, but you didn't want to rock the boat uh, of the the best player on the team. Well, there's no question that the the power play goes through uh, 88 and that penalty kills are kind of shading Kane's way. Mm -hmm. I I don't think Jeremy's uh, afraid to make the tough decision, though. I think we've seen that. Uh, in his short time here in Chicago, whether it's a sitting a Brent Seabrook, whether it was making Dylan Strom a healthy scratch a couple of weeks ago, um, I don't. I don't think it was all about uh, trying to defer to Patrick Kane. I thought tactically when they put Kirby Doc and uh, Kubalik, no Kirby Doc and Gustafson. Gustafson no, uh, no, when they put Boquist okay. yeah. on the top power play unit. For a long stretch of time, I thought that that was, while I understood that you, you want to get those rookies uh, 
experience on the power play, I thought it was maybe to the detriment of the top power play unit. Yeah, and now that Kubalik is on the top power play instead of getting 25, 30 seconds of power play time, it's, it's looked a whole lot different. And we know he's got the big gun of a shot, right? And uh, he's been uh, showing that. It, it's been terrific. I mean, it's just been like they flipped a switch. But um, between uh, Colleton's admission that we should have done this sooner, and then you hear some talk out of Las Vegas from Robin Leonard about what went on, or more specifically maybe what didn't go on with his negotiations with the Blackhawks, Real head scratcher. Right? Yeah, I, I thought that was the uh, the biggest news that came out of the deadline. And and if you go by Elliot Friedman's report out of Canada that the Hawks were only willing to go to two years with Robin Leonard, and then Leonard spoke to Lazarus just hours after the trade deadline on Monday and said he would have stayed for three. Mm-hmm. And. By the way, we didn't talk money at all. They didn't talk money. Now, how is that a negotiation, Pat? I guess that's not really a negotiation if you I don't mean, get to that point. It's all about the money. You know, right. here, here the reports were they were stuck on the term. The Hawks wanted short term. Uh, Robin Leonard and his agent wanted long term. And, and why wouldn't you shoot for the stars given where he is in his career and the talent that he has? But if you don't even get to it, if you take Robin Leonard at his word, they never got to money. Now, if and, and let's go back to term. If you're willing to take three, you're willing to take two. Uh, right? I don't know about that. I because I, he came out. First of all, we were all under the assumption that he was looking for five to six years. Sure. Which honestly, with the way he's played the last two years and, and at 28 20, years yeah, of age, of course, well, you, I don't think that 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 is a crazy ask. It doesn't stop the talk. It shouldn't. No. But if you never got to money, then you have to ask yourself. And we have not heard. From the Blackhawks, I don't know if they'll address what Robin said because he he went on again about it Thursday in Las Vegas, and he he you know last night he got his first win for the Knights right, right. stopped uh, thirty two thirty four and they went four two, so uh, he's very happy to get his first win with the Knights. But he said Thursday, I mean I didn't play much in the beginning or the middle beginning of the season with the Hawks, even if I played well and had a good camp. Eventually I took over. I think I won 9 out of 10, 12 out of 15. Maybe he just knows those numbers, yeah, right? right. Like, I love when they say, I, might, I think I might, might have, have, and had a 9.32 save yeah, percentage. if you're asking. Uh, and we walked up one point behind a playoff spot. Then all of a sudden, I found myself on the bench for no reason. That was tough. Plus, and you'll love this, negotiations had totally died out. I don't know how much dying it had to do again if you didn't get to the money. Right, and we all believe that it was on that Western Canadian road trip when Leonard found out that... That the talks between his camp and the Blackhawks had really gone nowhere and stalled. Here's Leonard. He had high hopes on staying a Hawk. This was Leonard after he became a Vegas Golden Knight. I had high hopes, but, uh, you know, nothing happened. Never got an offer of anything, so I figured last few days that uh, it's probably going to be the case. We were hearing from a few teams, uh, and Vegas came out of nowhere. So, yeah, I was a little shocked, but... uh, uh, very excited, pleasantly surprised. So, uh, hell of a hockey team in here, and uh, fun to join a team that has a chance to win the cup. So, and Leonard got his first win last night as a Golden Knight. So, are, are you surprised that the Blackhawks aren't, weren't willing to go, say, to three years with Robin Leonard? Three one two three three two three seven seven six. How comfortable are you with? It remaining the crease of uh, one Corey Crawford for the next couple of hey, years. Hey, if he continues to play like he did, it has in the last three weeks, you would think you have at least another season of Corey Crawford 
able to stand on his head and carry a team when they need to, when he needs to, rather. But let me ask you this. If you don't get to the money with Robin Leonard, you never get, how sincere are you in the negotiations? And then you have to ask yourself if, if you think the team basically was intent on getting rid of him, didn't want him around, uh, you know, why? Because he's a big personality. Immediately after the trade, guys like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tave said, we already miss him. We yeah. miss him in the room. We miss, you knew he was in the room when he was there. And normally, goaltenders in this town have not been that big personality guy. They, they, we've had very good goaltenders. We've had a lot of mediocre to subpar goaltenders. A lot of times, the, the, the guys who really weren't, like Steve Passmore had a ton of personality, but I don't think anyone was lining up to you know, go to an autograph show to get uh, Steve's autograph, right? Do the, does, do the Blackhawks not want that kind of guy in the room? That, that Maybe the players embraced it, the management not? It makes you wonder, because certainly in the crease, you thought Robin was holding up his end of the bargain. Uh, we called him the most honest soundbite in Chicago. Maybe some of that honesty rubs some people the wrong way. Here, here's Jonathan Taves on losing players like Robin Leonard and Eric Gustafson at the trade deadline. Did the trade upset you then? Because I mean, you did want him to stick around for a long time? Listen, I mean, I don't know what you're trying to get me to say on that one, but I think... Um, like I said, I'm not really commenting on, on the direction. Um, it's not really up to me to talk about. I think uh, all I can really say is that uh, we enjoyed having those guys in our room and, and what they meant to our team. So uh, you're always optimistic about the new possibilities when you guys come to your room, but, but when you, you have losses like that, it's not easy. So. Interesting, Jonathan Taves catching himself or, or not, you know, going down a road that he might regret going down because it would sound critical of the front office or the organization. But if you're a guy of that stature, and certainly Patrick Kane would uh, hold similar stature in the room, do you deserve an explanation as to the whys and wherefores of the of the front office dealings, or? If Patrick Kane, as he alluded to earlier in the week, wants to go and have a conversation with Stan Bowman in the offseason and know the direction of the team, is this a full-on rebuild? And if so, what do they think? How long do they think it's going to take to get there? And how do we fit into that with three do years remaining? In, yeah. And, and, and in, in hockey, you really don't find guys who, who make you know power play moves in the front off right. the ice. But And you don't want to be that guy if you're Patrick Kane where it sounds like you're bailing on your teammates because... You've got winning to do, and you can help teams win Stanley Cups moving forward. Um, you have that conversation, but Stan Bowman's response seemingly was, you just take care of what's going on on the ice, I'll take care of the other stuff. Yeah, I want to get to, into that in, in our next segment about you know the direction of the team, what Stan said to us about the direction, trying to meld young players with the core players, and again, should Kane and Taves be a part of the process? But first, let's go to the phone lines. Craig joins us now from Norwich. Good morning, Craig. Welcome to the Hockey yeah, Show. I, uh, good morning, guys, and thanks for having me. And uh, my comment is this, is that there's been a lot of talk about what you guys are talking about right now. And my, uh, and if I sound like I'm on the breath, I am because I'm on the treadmill right now. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Corey Crawford has a no-trade clause, right? So is it possible that... He, is, he, he, is, he had a modified no-movement clause. So he, it, the team came to him. He had to give them 10 teams that he'd be willing to go to. But he's also on a contract at the end of the season. Yes. So. So they so they could have traded him then, but but he he would have to give he would have to pick his ten cities where he wanted to go. Right, he would kind of have to work with them, and he if he you know if he okay. wanted to stay here, he could put pick ten teams that have number ones and number two goalies and that aren't in the in the goalie market, and could have solidified his fate and and stayed here in Chicago. So 
Okay, because that was my question. Maybe he could buy it because, you know, they keep talking about why did the Hawks get rid of Panarin for, you know, Todd, that was a salary cap thing. They only had him for another year, and they, they figured they couldn't afford him, so they got Todd back for three years. That's the same thing with Jarmerson, supposedly. They didn't want to trade him, but they had to because he was going to be a free agent. They're not going to be able to afford him. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm not trying to defend Stan Bowman. I question some of the things he's doing, but in that case, you know, that's what my point was. Thanks, Craig. Uh, Craig. Uh, well, good, good luck with the workout. Yeah. Thanks for calling the like show. Like your commitment to excellence. Um, <laughs> here's the thing, Pat. At 35, uh, and, and, you know, God bless Crow, if he can keep playing like this, it, it'll be terrific if he's still with the Hawks next year. But when you're looking at Robin Leonard in the prime of his career and, and putting up the numbers he's put up, you would think that's the future. And, and you're not keeping both. You can't afford to keep both. Even if Crow said, okay, I'll take $3 million, and, he got, and Robin Leonard was looking for $7 million, you probably that's not the ideal when you're a cash-strapped or salary-cap-strapped team to go to $10 million for the for the goaltender uh, just to keep two guys on there. But it's just surprising that it didn't seem there was a commitment from the Hawks to want to keep the younger guy who was in the prime of his career. On the other side, we're going to hear from Stan Bowman. We spoke to him on Tuesday. How do you get the Hawks back to greatness? And how do you do that with an aging core and young players that you're trying to bring into the system? And Patrick Kane goes on the record and says he'd like to be a part of the team's direction going forward and part of those discussions. It's all coming up next on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Now, by your side, through your smart speaker. Just tell it to play ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. If you feel it and you believe it, that a guy really wants to be here and he wants to wants to win and he believes in this group and I think he took a one year deal to come here because he he knew that there's a uh, there's some experience in this room there's a lot of potential here that's untapped and um, so yeah you kind of assume with the way he's been playing that he is going to be here longer than that so uh, kind of crazy how fast he's turned around. That's the captain, Jonathan Taves, commenting on Robin Leonard after he was dealt at Monday's trade deadline. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Brian Hanley. I'm Pat Boyle, coming to you from the First Midwest Bank Studios. You can follow the show on Twitter at ESPN Hockey Show. Give us a call at 312-332-3776. So we had Stan Bowman on Cap Show when you and I were filling in on Tuesday. And we uh, we spoke to him about... Uh, you know, getting back to greatness because that's what John McDonough had talked about in our very our maiden voyage show about getting this. It's not just about making the playoffs; it's getting the team back into cup contention, getting back to greatness. So we asked Stan uh, about you know what is the plan, and you know are they going the Penguins route on the rebuild, and and what would he say? To the Blackhawks fans out there that say, you know, they need, you should blow it up right now. Here's what Stan Bowman had to say on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's just one approach. I think if, if there was, every team would adopt that approach, and that would just be the one way that the, the teams around the league were built. I think, you know, each team is a little bit different, and you, there's some similarities certainly between organizations, but to try to just go copycat another organization isn't really the approach that I think is the best. I think what we're trying to do is we still have veteran players that were here, and when we had our most success, they were a a big part of it. Uh, They're still good players. They still want to win. They know how to win. They have the experience of going through that. 
And now we have some younger players that you mentioned, whether it be Boquist or Doc or Kubelik. They don't have that experience of winning. But what they do have is they have a really good skill set, and they've played very well, and they've got a high ceiling to get to that uh, top level of being an impact player in the NHL. So we're trying to put those two together. And while we're doing that, we're trying to win games every night to put ourselves in a position uh, that we can make the playoffs. And uh, so there's there's a lot of uh, factors that go into it. I think the most important thing is for us to continue to incorporate some younger players and give them bigger roles. So that was Stan on on what the plan is, and it's it's trying to bring guys like Boquist and Doc into the fold and somehow meld you know their production along the lines of of the core players that are still playing at a high level. Basically, growing another core, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, having them grow as a group like that uh, Kane and Taves did, and the other young guys that helped win championships. And we know that how long that took to come to fruition. And so he even mentioned that yeah, that's what we're doing here. We want the young guys as much with all the terrific skill sets they have as much time together and grow together. So that to me says it's not an overnight. Uh, proposition, right? They don't have enough talent right now. Okay, that's that's the bottom line. Last year they got career years from Kane, Taves, DeBrinket, Strome. Mm-hmm. Okay, career years. This year everybody's going to fall short of those numbers. Uh, Kane had a great year. I think Jonathan Taves had a very productive year. Brandon Sod had his best year in his second go around with the Blackhawks. DeBrinket has struggled. Mm-hmm. Strom has struggled. Uh, Dominic Kubalik has been the find. A, uh, the, all the Hawks did was give up a fifth-round pick to get his rights from Los Angeles. He leads the team in goal scoring. He leads all rookies with 29 goals. Uh, should they have put him on the top power play unit sooner? Yep, that's what Jeremy said the other day. Uh, but back to the the question of what the plan is. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I think... Taves and Kane should be a part of the dialogue. They've been the ones that have gone through the wars. They know uh, what talent they have on this roster. They know what it's like playing with a Ryan Carpenter or you know, pick your, your other player out there. Uh, they know what the rest of the league is doing and the gap between the Blackhawks roster and the rest of the NHL elite. So to me, they should be a part of the process. So Patrick Kane was asked about you know the team direction and would he like to be a part of those discussions for a team that's trying to develop young guys and trying to get better um at the same time you know having some veterans that are um playing some pretty good hockey so uh um, I think that will probably be something that's talked about maybe a little bit more in the summer. John McDonough mentioned that he sort of has a picture where he wants to make his great rather than maybe just trying to compete for a playoff spot. Are you, are you prepared if it takes a little bit? I mean, it, it, it's, it's going to, you know, maybe there's a long-term plan that we'll get back to you guys where you get worse. Um... Well, I don't know. I think that's something we'll have to discuss with them after the season and kind of see where everyone's at. Um, so I'm sure that there will be some conversations uh, once the season's over. Do you want to have your input in? I think it's good. I think it's good to ask the players what they think, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we're the ones that are, are playing every night. We see what's going on in the locker room. We see, I don't know, 
who's tough to play against in the league, what kind of teams are tough to play against. So I think that'd be a good route to go. So Patrick Kane thinks it's a good idea. Jonathan Taves, we heard how reticent he was in the uh, earlier cut we played, talking about Robin Leonard in the trade, and was he surprised? And he said, you know, you're trying to get me to say something here that I'm not going to say. And when he was asked about this, when uh, the captain was asked about this, he said, I'm not really commenting on the direction. That's not up to me to talk about. And yet Patrick says it would be good, healthy to have those conversations in the offseason. And Stan probably thought that wasn't the best of ideas. Well, here's what Stan Bowman had to say about consulting with core players. Their job is to play hockey, not so much to manage a team. I don't think that's really fair to them to bring them into the decision-making process. They've earned the respect based on what they've accomplished, but... Just like I don't go down there and talk to them about their shift last night in overtime, I think they have their job to do, and I have my job to do. It's the old adage in, in hockey in particular, but a lot of sports, players play, coaches coach, managers manage. And in, in hockey, you know, they don't, whether you're Patrick Kane or you're the, the sixth parent, you know, the, the last guy on the fourth line, they don't really take a vote. It's not a democracy, right? Yeah. They don't go down the room and say, hey, we're going to trade uh, Robin to Las Vegas. All in favor? Yeah, right. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't happen. I, I'm not asking. I'm not asking Stan to bring Patrick and Jonathan into the hockey ops nerve center and put together a draft board. Right. I, I'm not doing that. that that's. I, but I do think they're part of the process for all the things that Kane laid out there. They are the ones playing. They are. They know exactly what it takes to win in this league. They are playing at a high level. And they know there's a, a talent gap right now on their roster. Right. I, I would think if you're trying to find, you know, you know, the replacement for Artemi Panarin or the center to play with Patrick Kane, I'd like to ask Patrick Kane what he's looking for, right? Well, and you wonder, Don't you think he knows better than anybody? And we see it in the NBA all the time. A guy gets tired and wants, he forces a trade. You know, I, I'm out. The next thing you know, his agent's calling the GM and saying, I'm going to shop. For a deal, and I'll bring it to you, and then you can sign off if it makes sense. But you know, NBA players kind of force the direction their careers are going to go. We don't see that in the NHL uh, very often, if at all. Players drive the NBA. Right. They, they 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 call the shots. They decide where they want right. to land. They recruit each other. It, it, so, it's a unique situation. I mean, if Patrick Kane's conversation in this off season is going to be okay, we're in a full rebuild. Is it going to take two years, three years? Can it happen by next season? I don't think he's going to say I'm out and I'm you know I'm tapped out. Let's go get me out of here. But ultimately, there you have to be selfish, right? You have to protect your own interests. And uh, it, if if he thinks he still has great hockey in front of him, and he still has interest in winning Stanley Cups, and and Stan says or John McDonough tells him, hey, this is at least three years down the road. Yeah, you know, what kind what kind of response does he get? Let's go to the phone lines. Ryan from Franklin Park joins us on the Hockey Show. How you doing this morning, Ryan? I'm doing great, guys. First off, I just want to say I already love the show. I'm so glad you guys finally got something like this on the air. I think it's fantastic. Second of all, I don't buy any of that crap Bowman was spewing from his mouth. He put them in this position by giving everybody lifetime guaranteed contracts. They have this salary cap problem because of him. I love that they won three times, but I am so frustrated they can't even make the playoffs. I mean, they can't even make the playoffs. And you want to try telling me, well, we're going to rebuild these younger guys. How long is that going to take? You have to trade Patrick Kane. And it's not that I want to trade somebody that's that valuable to the team, but it's the fact that he is that valuable, and he can bring you back assets. He can bring you back draft capital, young players, and you're freeing up a lot of salary. And it's not just him. You've got to look at Taze. You've got to look at Seabrook. You've got to look at 
anybody that somebody would want to take. That's why the fact they didn't trade Saad surprised me so much the deadline. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good Thanks, day. Thanks, Ryan. Right, Ryan, thank you very much. Yeah, I thought Saad was a candidate to go with $6 million remaining, one year left on his deal Playing for next season. Best hockey, still a young guy. Uh, certainly would be could be a difference maker for a contending team. But Ryan's right. I mean, if you're in a full rebuild mode, even though you might be uh, hesitant to publicly state that, the one guy who's going to bring back organizational changing pieces is Patrick Kane. Not making, first of all, Seabrook's untradeable because of the way he plays, his health, and also his contract. Well, his contract, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah not, not necessarily in that order. Jonathan Taves, you might be surprised what you don't get back for Jonathan Taves, given what his salary, the miles on him, even though he's having a good season. He's struggled in the last three or four years, certainly, and hasn't been near the player that we were used to. But Patrick Kane would bring you back organizational changing pieces and would certainly accelerate a rebuild, rebuild if, in fact, you're in one. Look, I'm not, I'm not ready to sell on Patrick Kane. I, I, I don't disagree. He would bring the most assets back. Uh, but first of all, I mean, I just look at this last trade deadline, and I'm underwhelmed with what they got for Robin Leonard and Eric Gustafson. Uh, the minute you trade Patrick Kane, you're looking for Patrick Kane. And, and my issue with it, I think you trade a generational player when your timelines don't sync up. Mm-hmm. Patrick Kane still has, in, in my opinion, six good years left. Five to six really good productive years. If you can't rebuild in a five to six year window, first of all, you're not going to still be the general manager of, of this team. No doubt. But does he want to spend three of those six good years? What, you know, well, he's it, already spent three of them, hands unfortunately. With the young no, and as, they, as they come up. And that, but that's, that's where this transparency needs to happen. That's mm-hmm. why I think dialogue between management and star players who have. Who have produced? I'm not saying that you know you're going to Jimmy Butler and he's done nothing right. and you're you're acquiescing to his demands. This is a Hall of Fame player who's won you three Stanley Cups, no doubt about it. And he's been a good soldier and said nothing over the last and, three years and, and bit way, his lip. They stood behind him in his darkest days, yes, and, they and that's probably why too right. they could have launched him and, good, and just rid themselves sh- of the problem at the time, no matter the talent. And they chose not to do that. We'll go back to the phone lines on the other side, and Jamal Mayers will get his thoughts on the rebuild and the trade deadline. He- You're listening, listening to the Hockey Show. Show Blackhawks fans, you have a new home to talk hockey. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show rolls on on a Saturday morning with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank Studios. Joining us now on the Corona Hotline, 2013 Stanley Cup champion. You hear him on NBC Sports Chicago pre and post. You will hear him a little bit later on today as the Hawks take on Joel Quenville and the Florida Panthers. Jamal Mayers joins the hockey show. How are you doing today, Jammer? I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. Uh, Let me start with this. Robin Leonard, you know, it looked like it was either going to be Leonard or Corey Crawford that would hold down the crease for the Blackhawks for the next uh, few years. One of them's going to go. One of them would, would re-sign. We assume with the way that Leonard played and his age 
that, you know, maybe he had the leg up on Corey Crawford. And then word comes out after the trade deadline that, you know, according to Elliot Friedman, the Blackhawks were only willing to go to two years with Leonard and that Leonard would, would have stayed and entertained a three-year deal. Are you surprised if you believe those reports that the Hawks weren't willing to go to three years to keep Robin? You know, I, I am surprised, um, but I temper that surprise with the fact that I don't know the inner workings of all the information that management is using to make that determination. So I'm sure it's a combination of his age, his history, his, his ability to, to stay on track, uh, and, you know, what they have coming up the pipeline. There's so many other factors, but from my limited factors that I'm going to use, which would be the way that he's played, the way that he's been a leader, um, the way that he's appeared, apparently turned around his life so well, I, I would have been fine with three years. Now, beyond that, no. Uh, four or five years would scare me just because uh, that's just the reality of it. And But I am surprised, to be honest, I am surprised at uh, three years. Uh, but you know what? I don't have all the information. Uh, simple answer is yes, I was surprised. And nor do we have the information, all the information, Jamal. But if you if you take Robin at his word, and he's been very talkative this week post-trade, he said uh, the negotiations died and we never got to money. Now, again, that's one side and, and the player's perspective. If they never got to money, then in my world, it wasn't much of a negotiation. It makes me wonder why, you know, was there any real intent to want to keep him here? Well, I, I can, I know one thing for sure. I've, I've played professionally for 17 years and uh, I've been around the game a long time. In my experience, it's never helped the player to negotiate in, in the public, in the paper, and with the media. And it, to me, not only are you turning people away that are around the Blackhawks organization, other teams are paying attention to all the chatter and the things and the comments you're making on your way out of town. So it would behoove uh, Robin to let his agent, that's why you have one, negotiate his contract, and stay out of it and just refer to that. And if you want to, behind the scenes, have conversations with the organization on your own, go ahead. But to do this when he's not even a Blackhawk anymore, for me, it's time for him to move on. Stanley Cup champion Jamal Mayers joins us on the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. He joins us on the Corona Hotline. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit to uh, the, the team that we've been watching recently and the admission that we heard from Jeremy Colleton the other night. You know, Dominic Kubalik has been the surprise of this season. He now leads the Blackhawks in goals with 29, had the hat trick the other night, and he has been the spark on that power play. And Jeremy admitted that they should have gone to Kubalik sooner do you think that would have cured the uh the power play woes that have that have troubled this team all season long uh i don't know if that's uh, as fair of a statement i think that i can completely understand jeremy and his staff let's listen let's go back to last january from january last year to the end of this season i believe they were one of the top power plays in the entire nhl correct so and on that power play was 
you know, the dynamic part of the power play was Gus at the top controlling the umbrella, and then you had DeBrinkett on the flanks giving options for one-timers for Patrick Kane, and obviously with the captain as a bumper and Strom down low. Now, why wouldn't you go back to that And because you had so much success? It wasn't like it was just a couple of weeks. It was half the season this power play was clicking with those five guys in that setup. Now you bring in a guy like Kubelik, which would force uh, Patrick Kane to be on the strong side. Less option. He's not a one-time threat. Yes, he can create from any side, but it's a little bit more limiting for Patrick Kane as a penalty killer. I'd rather he be on the side he's on now um, because he has limited options in regard to what he can do. And you're really asking him to do one of two things, create his own shot. You're going to give up Patrick Kane, shoot the puck, or you're going to give him the same pass. I'd rather give him the one-timer to Duncan Keith. Kaner is so skilled that he's able to look you off and find Kubelik even when the steam really isn't there. So I don't, I don't, uh, I, I, I commend Jeremy's honesty, but I can understand why they stuck with the power play that worked so well last year. And I too, uh, you know, it's it's refreshing when you get a guy who says we made a mistake and we should have done it earlier. But when you have so many people looking at it, and my understanding is Jeremy. Uh, pays quite a bit of attention to the power play. It just seems like it, it shouldn't have taken to bottoming out in the league to being the worst power play unit to try something different. And I just wonder if you were trying to to keep Patrick happy and and maybe just it's kind of like putting Patrick and Jonathan Taves in the, on the line together. It was like the nuclear option, right? When when things got really bad, you went to the tried and true. Um, it just I, I don't know if fans are going to appreciate the honesty or wonder why they didn't get to this conclusion earlier. Yeah, I think you can always look back and, and, and wish you would have made alternate decisions. You know, we can question all, all kinds of things. Um, I would say, you know, I think they tried different things. It was one of the things that they tried that happened to work. If uh, they've changed the formations, they changed the units several times in this throughout the season when the power play has been struggling. None of them have worked. This happens to have worked. I think the timing that it's at the end of the season is just, it could have been one of the options that they tried. Like this, let's call this the fifth option. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the fifth. It could have been the second option. And that's just, you have to live with your decisions and, and move on. Chandler, the reality is this team is staring their third straight year that they're not going to be a part of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And you know, we had John McDonough on. Uh, a few weeks back when we kicked off the hockey show, and he said it, it's about returning this team to greatness. And so I think that's where Blackhawks fans are. They they kind of want to know, where is this rebuild going? And we talked about it on our recent Blackhawks Talk podcast about consulting with Kane and Taves and, and, and being a part of the solution. Bring them into some of the discussion about what, the direction the team is going. What players we should be looking at on the trade market? What free agents might fit uh, with this team? Kane said he'd be open to that. We kind of heard uh, Stan say, you know, the, the kind of the old saying: "Coaches coach, uh, players play, and GMs GM." So, w- where do you stand on on consulting with a Patrick Kane this off season about the direction this team is going and what they need? Yeah, I think it's imperative that you talk to uh, core people. I think that, um, you know, the the reality is this. This is the way I look at it. If it's 
if whatever you're trying to sell the entire group, you're going to need the buy-in from your leaders in that room because they control the narrative in the dressing room. So in my opinion, you want to make sure Kane, Taze, and Dunks are not only aware of the direction and, and what's going to happen and what the thought process is and the plan, you want them on board because at the end of the day, they're the ones, whether you like it or not, you live with how they control the room and how they determine that how that message is going to be brought forward. And, you know, it's, it's funny. If you don't do that, then you, have, you, risk the, you risk losing the room, in a sense. And to me, you have to find a way to get those guys to buy in to whatever you're deciding. And it's just part of information collection. How much you, you decide to listen to them is your own prerogative, and that's exactly what a manager should do. It's about doing the due diligence. I just think it's a, a, it's a piece of the pie uh, as you're making those decisions. And that, in my experience, I've seen GMs and know that GMs I've talked to Keith Kachuk, Doug Waite, Jerome McGinley, Joel Thornton, uh, all the different players that I played with that were part of the nucleus uh, were brought in and, and you know, their opinions were, were valued and listened to. And, and then they took it in and they made a decision. Uh, maybe uh, half the time they might have argued, but sometimes that friction's okay. I think that, you know, the common goal is to get back on top of the mountain. So whatever you have to do to, to shake that tree to make it happen, uh, I think it's important to do that. Great stuff, Jammer. I look forward to uh, doing pregame with you at 4.30 on NBC Sports Chicago later on today. And I didn't uh, tell you this, Brian, but uh, Jamal Mayers is now an author. He uh, put, wow. Yeah, he put out his first book. It's a children's book. Hockey is for me. Tell the folks how they can get that book, Jammer. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's, uh, it's at shop.nhl.com and, or at uh, any of the Blackhawks stores. And really, I wrote this book. It's kind of based loosely off my starting into hockey, skating, if you will, and just want to inspire kids to do whatever their passion is. Doesn't matter um, if, if it's not the traditional route. If you uh, if you have a passion for something, follow it. That's terrific. Thanks, Jammer. Talk to you later on. That's I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Stanley Cup champion Jamal Mayers on the Hockey Show on ESPN One Thousand. On the other side, your phone calls uh, to the Hockey Show on ESPN One Thousand. You're listening to The Hockey Show. With Pat Boyle and Brian Hanley. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. The Hockey Show rolling on on a Saturday morning with Brian Hanley. I am Pat Boyle coming to you from the first Midwest Bank studio. Uh, The Hawks announced that Andrew Shaw and Zach Smith are going to miss the remainder of the season. Shaw's been out since late November with that concussion. He's got two years remaining with a cap hit of $3.9 million per. Confirming what everyone probably figured out anyway, and uh, too bad. Hopefully he gets right and ready to go next year. And Smith's going to undergo surgery on March 6th. So our thanks to Jamal Mayers for joining us. Interesting stuff. Yeah, what what was your biggest takeaway from what Jammer had to say? Two of them. Uh, Robin Leonard needs to move on, and he's only hurting himself because it's not just... Uh, any angst with the Chicago front office, but the rest of the league is paying attention. And I and I go back when I hear Jamal say that a guy who's been in the league and knows how things are received. You know, when Robin said a month or so ago, "Well, I'm not giving any hometown discounts, so I'm getting paid this time around." 
was that the day, and I'm just throwing out, was that the day the Hawks said, guess what? We don't have to worry about discount because there won't be an offer. You know, you're on your way out the door, so keep playing uh, good goaltending, and we'll, we'll move you and get you a new address. And then the other takeaway was, and, you know, the front office needs to talk to the superstars. doesn't mean they take marching orders from the players, but it should be a piece of the puzzle or, or in the mix and uh, take it for what it's worth, but include them and, and make sure they know what the plan is and feel like they have ownership in, in the plan. What do you think about it? 312-332-3776. Let's go back to the phone lines. Corey from Palatine joins us now on the Hockey Show. Good morning, Corey. Hey, how you guys doing? Excellent. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Uh, I'm a lifetime uh, Hawks fan, big time. Um, and um, if they win and lose, you know, that's how many days goes. Wow. Big time, I'm telling you. You've had a lot but of it, bad days this year, haven't you? Yeah. My, my, my father, I mean, we used to, the, the, when they used to play on the West Coast, uh, and 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, we used to all jump on my parents' bed late at night and, <laughs> and let them stay up to watch the game. That's terrific. You know? It was great. But anyway, what, the reason I'm calling, for years now, especially when, when the Hawks beat Boston in the play, in the play, in the, to win the... Uh, Stanley Cup? 2013. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, you, remember, you remember Lucich, the big guy. Lucich, yeah. Yep. He was one of the guys... I mean, that series was brutal as far as... They were pounding the Hawks into the boards. I can't believe the Hawks actually won that series. But anyway... 17 seconds. It, yeah. I mean, it, it's still going on where the Hawks, every game, get out hits, and they don't have the toughness. They always they talk about their team toughness. So whatever happened to a guy, whatever happened to Gilbert? Gilbert gets called up. Even, he, he beat Lucich in a fight. Somebody uh, hurt... Uh, I've got who was in the Hawks, and Gilbert went right after him. He was. All right, I think he uh, dropped off there. there. Yeah. Uh, talking about the toughness, look, through those three cups, the 2010 team had the most grit to it, the most uh, physicality of, of the three cup winning teams. But he's not, he's not wrong with the thought that. You know, they kind of survived a lot of those those series. Yeah, um, it was attrition. It's the way this team has been built. They were built on on uh, puck possession, uh, speed, uh, skilled players, uh, good defenders, but they, they weren't going to run you through the boards. I do, you know, in this NHL right now, I, I do think size matters. It I does, think that yeah. I do think that's why they went the Kirby Doc route. And I think... Uh, I also think that's why they brought somebody back like Andrew Shaw because they they he like, plays bigger than his body. He plays bigger than his, than his size, and he brings an element that the Hawks don't have a ton of, which is playing inside the dots. The problem is Shaw can't stay healthy, right? And he's missed. You know, he's been out since late November. Let's go back to the phone lines. Kenny in Skokie joins us now. Kenny, you're on the hockey show. What's up? Morning. Uh, this trade that Bowman did with Gustafson and Leonard was terrible. I mean, Leonard was up for the uh, Vezina Trophy a couple of years back. If nothing else, he could have got uh, quality, more quality players in return or better draft picks. I mean, what he should have did is get together with his staff and have a hat full of names. Okay, these are the guys we are going to accept for Leonard, and these are the guys we're going to accept for Gustafson. Nothing else. Keep them. Restructure the contracts. Keep it going. Because to me, the spine of the team is the goaltending, and Leonard is one of the best in the game. 
and these other people that want to trade Patrick Kane, we went through that debacle when we <laughs> let Bobby Hall go. So I would say keep Kane, Taze, sit down with them, maybe restructure their contracts, uh, get a couple big power forwards, a couple bigger defensemen, get the grit going again, and uh, we'll be bringing uh, Lord Stanley back to the city. All right, Kenny, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, look, I, I, I said it off the top. I'm, I'm not in favor of moving Patrick Kane. I still think he can be a big part of this rebuild because I think he's got five or six years left in him. Yeah, I do too. But if Patrick Kane is uh, at least open to the idea of you shopping him and see what you can get, and if it's a place that he wants to go, well, then maybe there's a match there. And again, I know Kaner doesn't want to be the guy who seems to be pulling a power play and saying, I'm out of here because this is going to take too long and I got, I got a career to think of. That's not what I'm talking about. But if, if you both think that it's time to, to go your separate ways without any animosity, it might be best, best for both. I mean, because you would get a, a whole host of, of assets to, to accelerate the rebuild here by moving Patrick Kane. You're coming up next with Jeff Miller. You will continue the oh some of the hockey talk, but you'll get into NFL, which had the lot of, NFL combine this yeah, past week. A lot of uh, NFL. We got a lot of baseball to, uh, to chew over, certainly with both teams in town getting, what, three, four weeks away from opening day. Our thanks to Jamal Mayers for joining us, our producer extraordinaire, Eric Ostrowski. Thank you for calling in at 312-332-3776. That's going to do it for the Hockey Show this week. I'm Pat Boyle for Brian and everybody on the Hockey Shift. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next Saturday.